0: So fans and people who cover Notre Dame and college football talk a lot about how Notre Dame has to close the gap with the truly elite teams in college football in order to start competing for national championships. But just how big is that gap? The answer coming up next. You are Locked On Irish, your daily podcast on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, and welcome to Locked On Irish. It is Monday, April 17th, and thank you for getting your week started here and making this your first listen of the day. The show is free and available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts, so whether you're watching or listening, please take a moment to subscribe to the show if you haven't already. My name is Tyler Wojcik, and I am the host. I'm a Notre Dame alum and producer for college football talent at Fox Sports, and this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash on today to get started. And in today's episode, I'm going to be joined by Jamie Uyayama, from Irish Sports Daily to discuss what it takes to win a national championship in the college football playoff era. Jamie went back and analyzed all the teams who have done so since 2014 when the college football playoff started and he found some consistencies that I thought were really interesting. Um, and then we discussed how far Notre Dame is from those teams today and what it's going to take in order for the Irish to get back to competing at a national championship level. For the everyday listeners of the pod or the everydayers as we're calling you here at the Locked On Podcast Network, be sure to tune in to tomorrow's episode for the latest, latest updates on out of Notre Dame spring practice. We got to hear from head coach Marcus Freeman over the weekend, as well as both coordinators. And there's a bunch of interesting things coming out of Notre Dame's practice on Saturday that I want to discuss that I'll get to on Tuesday's show. Okay, let's welcome in Jamie. All right, I'm joined now by Jamie Uyama from Irish Sports Daily, and let's get right into it. You went back and analyzed every national championship team in the college football playoff era to try and figure out what it takes to win it all. And you said in your article that you have to be very talented at every position, but overall, what are some of the three most important things that every championship team has had? Um, I, I mean,
1: I, I think you got you got to be great, really, on offense and defense, and in like in specific areas. I, I would say you got to be explosive on offense. You have to be explosive. You have to be able to um, create ex- explosive plays. I think that's like number one. Um, you have to be like basically top 15 an explosive passing place. You have to have an explosive passing game. And that kind of like goes hand in hand with like the skill position talent that you have and the quarterback that you need. And really like, if you look at the the list of quarterbacks, there's one big outlier in Jake Coker, um, you know, who was on on Alabama, right. Um, The 20, the 2017 Alabama team that won the national championship. But Even he was 30, he was 31st in in passer rating that year. So he was obviously above average, but the team was loaded, right? Like they were loaded around him. He was surrounded by multiple first round picks. Derrick Henry, just one of them. Yeah. Right. And, and and they had like the number one defense in, in DF plus, which is the combined FEI and SP plus ranking. So, You kind of need you need that on offense. You need the quarterback, and you need the skill position guys because you have to be explosive. So that uh, automatically, right there, is like number one, right? And I just think overall level of talent on your roster, you have to have multiple first round picks, right? So, and so it's it's not even just to say I you have NFL talent, and so like the twenty eighteen Notre Dame team, for example, which is was loaded with talent and had a ton of NFL draft picks. Right. And and if you go back and look at it, it was easily the most talented uh, team that Notre Dame has had in quite some time. And I'd say, even if you look at, compared to that 2012 team, which was, which is, you know, very talented as well. There, there was more depth of talent in that 2018 team overall. When you look at like say defensive line rotation, there were NFL guys who were backups. Right. So, but when you look at that, compared to everyone else. It's like, well, yeah, they had Claypool and they had uh, Boykin at receiver. Well, they didn't have a first round guy, right? They didn't have a first round guy. They didn't, even though Ian Book was a very good quarterback for Notre Dame, obviously won a ton of games, won the most games in Notre Dame history he would be the second worst quarterback to win in, in uh, the college football playoff era. And he didn't have Alabama's talent overall talent surrounding him like Jacob Coker did. Right. So um, just overall like depth of talent at every positions, right. Because he got to just have multiple first round picks, just kind of like through sprinkled throughout the roster and just NFL picks throughout the entire roster. Right. And so that, that obviously those things stand out. And then I think you have to be at a certain level um, on the offensive defensive line and, and really like defensive line. Yeah. We're talking about like NFL level talent again, that 2018 uh, defensive line, that was a championship caliber defensive line for, for Notre Dame, right? That's the reason that they probably were as good as they were really for that 2018 and 2019 seasons, because, they had so much talent, right? Like to fact the fact that they could lose, like say Dalen Hayes and Julian O'Coir. And then it was like, oh, well, now Adeo Gandeshi and Jameer Jones are gonna play and they're gonna be on third down. And it's like there wasn't a drop-off because these guys were also good guys who played in the NFL, who play in the NFL, right? So um you need that up front on, on the defensive line, but then you have to be like a Joe Moore award-esque line, right? You need to be that kind of level that's what it kind of takes to, to get to that level up front too and everyone except for the 2016 Clemson team which is like kind of like the outlier in all of this they were everyone was at, at the bare minimum a semifinalist for uh the Joe Moore award and and most of them were finalists right and some of them actually won the award right so you need to be that good as a unit so it's like when you start stacking it up it's like oh well you need this it's like you need you just really need it all right you you need it all because it's it's one thing where i think notre dame fans have this thought or they've had this thought um and i don't know if you you've seen it tyler but i've seen it for for many years now where notre dame fans uh, there's there's a faction of people that think nah, notre dame's a quarterback away if they could just get their trevor lawrence if they could just get And it's not to say that that wouldn't make a big difference and they wouldn't be better. But what it probably does is get them to maybe the championship, but probably not win it because you got to beat Georgia, you got to beat Alabama, and they have all of that and more.
0: Right, and just that statement alone is kind of absurd. Like, Notre Dame is one Trevor Lawrence away. Like, you're one generational quarterback away from being a national championship-caliber team. There's a lot from that I want to get to, especially about the line of scrimmage. But you brought up the explosive passing game first, and I thought that was really interesting because... It to me, it, it kind of reminds me of like modern baseball now, where you have to be able to hit the home run in order to have any chance of winning winning at all. Especially in the playoffs, because you can't really string together a bunch of singles against playoff caliber pitchers. Like it's just too, it's too hard. So you need to be able to make up for that and just hit them on the on a big play. So I think that goes into a bigger question about the quarterbacks, because it's easy to say, yeah, you need to have a great quarterback to win at, at the college football playoff level, but. Looking beyond just explosive plays, what kind of output do you need from your quarterback to have a championship level offense? Well, um essentially, you
1: need a guy who is one of the top guys. like he he has to be like uh, in, in terms of like passer rating or passing efficiency, he he needs to be like a top ten level quarterback in college football. And that's the kind of thing when you look at like a Sam Hartman, and that's why people were excited about Sam Hartman, you know, he has that kind of potential to to do that, right? He has that kind of potential. He's put up those kind of numbers where he's at that kind of level there, right? So he could, you know, potentially be that, right? Like he was uh, 15th in pass rating last season. So if you think that he's going to get better, which could happen, right? It could definitely happen. And, you know, that he's going to, you would assume he's going to play with better talent at Notre Dame and all this kind of stuff too. Top 10 isn't like, crazy but you know for instance people think Stetson Bennett another guy that people kind of assume if you didn't really watch them closely you would think oh you know because this whole story he's a former walk-on he's kind of a skinny guy is he going to get drafted in the NFL or whatever and may, yeah he's not Trevor Lawrence he's not Joe Burrow he's not Tua Tagovailoa he's not Jalen Hurts whatever he's not going to be um this top top draft pick he's probably going to be like a mid-round pick or whatever Uh, if he goes at all I mean who who knows right but he was fourth and 11th in passer rating, right? Like that's kind of where you need to be. So you can say, yeah, he's surrounded with all this talent. He still played really well. He still played really well. Obviously um, you know, they had a great uh, offensive uh, offensive coordinator. Like they they had everything or the pieces around him that helped him, but he still had to play at a very high level. You have to play at an extremely high level. And it's just, that's, I mean the, the the amount of guys that are there it's just like JT Barrett, right? Who was the quarterback for Ohio State in that first year, right? When they when they won in the in, in 2014. And then it was Cardell Jones who took over for him, right? Yeah. But JT Barrett, so you look at where they were the whole year, he was second in the country in passive passive efficiency. And he was, I believe, he was a retro freshman that year. But like, so you gotta be like that good. On offense, you have to your quarterback has to be kind of that good. And then even Cardell Jones, who you think, oh, whatever, you know, like, yeah, I mean, he still was a third-round pick, right? A guy who really didn't even play that much, right? So he obviously had a ton of raw talent, right? So that's kind of where you you need to be. So whether it's Sam Hartman, whether it's Tyler Buckner, you know, it's gonna be CJ Carr in the future, Kenny Mitchie, Steve Angel, whatever. You got to play at that certain type of level. You have to be that productive. Right. Like, I, I don't think you can just say, like, it's easy to just say thirty five hundred yards or this or that, But because there's plenty of different ways to, to skin a cat and, and 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 how you're going to uh, put up the numbers that you do. But you just have to be at a certain level um, and, and it's got to be in an elite level.
0: Grand slams, no hitters, and double plays are back, and there's no better place to get in on the MLB action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. That's because right now, new customers can step up to the plate with a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. Just go to FanDuel.com to sign up, place your first bet, and get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if you don't win. Don't miss your chance to get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com to sign up. FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball. And as for the guys, the quarterback's giving the ball to the running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends. Obviously, you need NFL-caliber dudes getting the ball. But when you were going back and looking at it, on average, like how many future NFL guys, maybe not just NFL, first-round, second-round guys, do these teams typically have at running back, wide receiver, and tight end combined? Well, I mean, I, I think if you look at it, there's a,
1: every one of the teams the average is 2.4 players in the first two rounds. So that's just what the average is. Right. So obviously floor, basically that's, that's so high. (laughs) Yeah. So if, and obviously you look at the like 2019 LSU or, you know, 2020 Alabama and their multiple first round picks that they have. Right. So it's, (coughs) it's a completely different story um, for those teams, but um, and that bumps up the average, but like, even that say 2016, um, Clemson team which is that big outlier well they had Mike Williams right they had Mike Williams who was like a top 10 pick right at and and they had multiple other guys that were skill skill guys that were NFL players right and they had Deshaun Watson at quarterback right so they had all that too but but it, it wasn't like it was like Deshaun Watson completely carried them no well they had a first round dude at at wide receiver and they and they had multiple other NFL dudes but, yeah, on average, 2.4 guys. So that's kind of where you get you get it and say, like, you go back to that 2018 team again. And sorry, I'm just going to keep bringing them up because that, to me, is the closest that Notre Dame has been overall when you look at just type of talent all over throughout the roster. Um, but, you know, they had Claypool and Boykin on the outside, right? And both those guys were, um, you know, day two NFL picks, right? just forget the part where uh, Claypool was way better in 2019. than was 2018, but he obviously <laughs> had the talent, right? He, he obviously had the talent. So, you know, that he was like a, t- a talented guy, but still, and they had a good running back in, in, in Dexter Williams and, you know, Ian book, but Ian book, you had him like when he was sophomore Ian book. Yeah. Right. And even then sophomore Ian book, like I said, is the worst quarterback of that thing. You, you, you need more. You need – Dexter Williams needs to be um, a second-round pick, right? That's what you need, need him. You need Der- Dexter Williams to be Derrick Henry or something, right? Like, that's kind of where you're at compared to everyone else.
0: Yeah, so it sounds like, based on what you're saying, if if you don't have the floor, like the average amount of future NFL guys, so really at any position, if you are missing the mark there, you have to be absolutely exceptional, in something else. And you bring up that 2016 Clemson team. Like, they didn't necessarily have a Joe Moore award-winning offensive line. But they did have one of the best quarterbacks in the generation. So that kind of, like, makes up for that and allows them to kind of compete at that level. And I'm glad you bring that game up because uh, I actually watched that recently. It was on uh, the rerun of that Clemson-Alabama game with Watson and Hurts. And I actually forgot just how good Mike Williams was at Clemson oh, yeah. like it was unbelievable watching that game back and I was just like wow man that that team was really so good and, and Watson just kept getting lit up by Alabama and it just it didn't seem to matter so you kind of get a sense of like all right like those are the type of guys that Notre Dame needs in order to win it all now I want to switch over to the defensive side and you mentioned this in your article and I totally agree with you it doesn't get mentioned enough about how critical it is to have top 10 or top talent at defensive back and I think this might have to do with the fact that even if you have like studs playing back there, like say Keely Ringo, for example, at Georgia, he's going to be a first round pick, probably a second round at worst. And Ohio state went at him. And I think once you get at that level, even if you have really talented dudes, like you have the offenses you're going up against are so good that you're just trying to contain them. Like, is that a good sense of what what you're seeing at the defensive back position now? Yeah, I think that's totally fair um, because
1: I, even that the, the 2019 LSU team, which is known as the best offense of all time, nobody ever mentions that they had like, like four top 50 guys starting in their defensive backfield. Right. And all those guys were were NFL players, right. Many of them were high picks. Right. So um, yeah, you, you have to be able to match up, especially when you're talking about, well, all these teams have this kind of uh, talent at the skill positions. Well, you got to cover those guys. Right. And if you don't have the people to cover them, then, I mean, you really don't have a shot really. Right. Like, um, so, yeah. So that when you have like Troy pride, Julian love, uh, Alohi Gilman, right. Three guys starting at, at the same time who are NFL, you know, obviously that's great, but then you can see where things fall apart where it's like, Julian love got hurt and the game fell apart for them. Right. Like that's kind of where you're at if you don't have those guys, but in, even with Julian love, you still got to, you know, yeah. Cover uh, like T Higgins and Justin Ross. Right. And there's, it's, it's a very difficult thing to do. Um, And you just, you have to be able to match up. That's, that's just the main thing. You have to be able to match up. You need that type of talent, and I would say probably right now. And I, I know we'll probably get into it later, but right now, if you're looking at where the defense is for Notre Dame right now, that's where they're the closest right now. Is I think they have the defensive backfield where probably can match up with with a number of, of the top teams because they're going to have guys, especially if Cam Hart ends up kind of getting healthy and playing back to the kind of the level uh, that you that he played in 2021. And then you have Jaden Mickey, who I think is going to take that. And he has been taking a step from everything we've seen in the spring so far, too. And on top of Benjamin Morrison and all that. And then all of a sudden you're, you're saying, well, yeah, Notre Dame can can match up with a lot of these teams.
0: Yeah, it seems like you basically have to have an elite quarterback just to give yourself a chance. And even then it might not work out. Like I mentioned, Ringo, they were going after him and that 2019 LSU team. They were going up against A.J. Terrell a future first-round pick at corner for Clemson, and Jamar Chase just cooked him all game, really. And I, I was watching that going... Oh, my God, like his draft stock might plummet after this, but it didn't. And he's actually had a pretty solid NFL career up to this point. So that's just kind of what you're dealing with that level. Now, you've already kind of mentioned on the Notre Dame side of things, like as cornerback being a position where Notre Dame is pretty close to being championship caliber, if not already there. What other personnel groups at Notre Dame do you think are are pretty close or are already at that level uh, to be a championship contender? Well, I think you have to look at the offensive line and everybody knows
1: who follows the team closely that they got to figure out the guard situation. They got they to replace yeah. two guards, right? Um, but they've recruited at a level where, and, and Joe Rudolph is a proven enough coach in terms of what he's done in developing s- some guys, especially some guys who weren't really like high level recruits into NFL talent. So I think they're going to be fine at guard there. And then when you look at, they got two guys, Joel is going to be probably a top 10 pick in, in, in next year's draft. Yeah, And Blake Fisher, if he's not a first round pick next year, he might be the year after, right? Like if, if he decides to stay, like he's, he's that kind of talent. So you're going to have that kind of t- level up front. And the way they've always kind of recruited up front is really they're, they're up there in terms of Georgia and Alabama, in terms of the number of blue chips, right? Four, four and five stars maybe not the same number of five-star types that, that those guys have had, but in terms of guys that, you know, are f- four stars and above they have their, like the ratio is like, you know, like basically like 90% or right? uh, essentially what, what they've, what they've signed there and the offensive line. So there really is no reason why Notre Dame, especially this year, why they can't be like a, at the bare minimum, a semifinalist finalist for uh, the Joe Moore award and probably should be a finalist really. Right. And, so if you look at that, you say, I mean, that's what you need, right? That's what you need up front. But I think after that, that's when you look at where there's so many like unanswered questions about the roster in general. Like, I mean, Hartman, like we mentioned before, like, yes, he, he's someone who I think would be, close right if he's if he's the guy if you know he's still acclimating to the system and all that he's still got to win the job tyler buckner's having a great spring you know could could win the job too right so whether one of those guys i think there is the potential for one of those guys to be like a top 10 quarterback in, in college football i don't think that's like outlandish to say that but in saying that I think like say Audrey Kostemi, I think has a chance to be like a pretty decent high pick. Obviously he's not going to be a first round pick. There's not too many first round backs yeah. these days, uh, but he, he has a chance to be a high pick tight end. So what are you going to get is Mitchell Evans all of a sudden just going to be like that dude. Right. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I don't think he's going to be Michael Mayer, but is he going to be like, you know, the next Notre Dame tight end to go in the second round and be like one of the top tight ends off the board. I think he's got that potential. We got to see it, right? We got to see it. Eli Reardon, you know, I think has a sky-high ceiling, but we got to see it, right? Receiver, I think everybody's excited about the potential of of guys like Tobias Merriweather, right? But, like, I mean, he's got one catch. So, (laughs) you know, you have to see, you know, what, uh, you know, where he's at in the fall. And he might take a huge step this year, but still not be at that level where you need to. Or Lorenzo Styles might have this great bounce back year but is he going to be at that level that you need to Jane Thomas? I think is certainly he's going to play in the NFL. I'm, I'm positive. Jane Thomas is going to be an NFL type player, but is he this NFL type player because of like his versatility, because he can do so many things and be like this chess piece in terms of what he can do as a blocker, as well as a receiver or that, or is he going to be like, Oh no, he's actually a dude. Who's going to be like maybe a wide receiver one. I mean, he has a lot to prove there. Right. So, um, when you look at that, I think Notre Dame has uh, enough talent to the skill position where you're like, yeah, there could be something there. But I'd probably say it's probably more likely that they would be like twenty twenty four, And then I'd say that's the same thing about the defensive line, too, where I do think Notre Dame is going to be better on the defensive line this year, even though they lost, you know, Isaiah Foskey and the Adam Mola twins. I think they have a chance to be better up front. Um, but... Are they like, I mean, Riley Mills, is he going to be like, he looks like he should be in the NFL. He should be in the NFL, but he's got to play. Like he's got to play like that on a consistent basis. Right. He's got to do that. Jordan Botel tremendous second half of the year, obviously had a great bowl game. If he's, he's, if he's got to play at that level the whole entire year, right. He's got to play at that level the entire year. And then, you know, what are you going to get a Javante Jean Baptiste? What are you going to get from the, the, the young guys, who mostly I think like, you know, guys like Junior Tui Halamaka, Josh Burnham, Aiden Gobera, right. Even Jason Onye, who I think is obviously coming on and looks fantastic this spring, but they're probably like a year away from where like, you're going to be like, Oh, Notre Dame's defensive line is scary. So it's kind of more set up to be a 2024 thing. And I mean, the one main thing too that we haven't really talked about is linebacker and that's probably where you can get away with like kind of having the least amount of talent in saying that almost every one of these teams had like a first round
0: pick, (laughs) you know? So
1: they had like one guy, but all you need is
0: one. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's not that bad. All you need is one first round pick at linebacker.
1: (laughs) Yeah. But I'm just saying you can have, uh, um, uh, sorry, the name escapes me right now. The, 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 the Clemson linebacker, you can have a Skalski, right? Yeah. You can have a Skalski. You can have a Ben Bulwer, right? You can have Tavon Coney. Tavon Coney, fantastic college football player. Unbelievable. I, I would say, you know, you could make an argument he was the best linebacker. It, as good as t- t- Matt Teo or Jalen Smith. You could, someone could make an argument that he was like, oh no, Coney was better than, than them in, in college. And I, I would say, I, I don't know if I'd agree, but it'd be close. It'd be close, but obviously he's not an NFL guy, but you can have that kind of guy who's just this great college football player there, but you also need the other guy. You need the Roquan Smith, right? You need, um, you, you need like basically all of the guys that Georgia has had the last <laughs> few years. Right. Um, you, yeah. you need that type uh, on your, on your team. Um, and I think, you know, I would say JD Bertrand is probably like, you know, closer to that Coney, um, ben Bull thing I'm not sure if he's going to have an NFL future I think he just might just be like a really good college football player and that kind of might be his ceiling just because he doesn't have physically he's not a guy who I don't he's not going to like blow anyone away with his testing or anything like that he might still play in the league but it just doesn't mean that he, he's probably not going to be a high pick it would be very shocking if he was ever a high pick and then from there it's like well is Jalen Sneed going to be that dude or something like, like one of these young guys going to be that dude. And, and that's, that's kind of where you're at. Like, I think, you know, he very well could be like a first or second round pick one day, but I mean, he's got to become starter first. There's, there's a long process to go there.
0: Yeah, and a lot of the names you mentioned, they're young players who we think have a lot of potential and could make great strides this season, but the gap for them, like what they need to make up for between their freshman and say, sophomore and junior year in order to get to that level is pretty extreme. Now, that's not to say that they can't get there. We're just saying that like, hey, that's that's what it is, and that's why I like this article because it became very clear, like for T- Tobias Merriweather, for example, okay, we all think he's going to take a big jump this year, but is he going to take a jump? going from one catch in his freshman year to pretty clear first or second round traffic. Okay, good. Cause that's one and Notre Dame needs based on your article about 2.4. So then they yeah. need another guy. So that's why I really liked this. And I thought it was so interesting. Um, now for the inverse of that, which position groups at Notre Dame, are they sort of lagging behind? Well, I, I mean, I, I think
1: really you would say just the skill position because it's like, they have to catch up. They don't have the depth there. Um, I, I think, all three of the early enrollees. I think those guys look like players, right? They look like good players. Um, you know, Braylon James certainly is already running with the twos. That's, that's an exciting development, right? He could end up being a high pick one day. I mean, I don't think he, it would be shocking if he was a Justin Ross type of yeah. true freshman, right? So it might take him a couple of years before he he gets there. Right. And even Jane Grace, Jane Grace and Rico Flores I think they're good players. They might help the team this year. um, But are they ever going to get to that kind of like first round pick status? I mean, I don't personally see it for either of those guys. Maybe, uh, but, but probably not. Um, So, and they just, all those guys got a hit too, because they just don't have the depth, right? They just don't have the depth. And that's really one of the things. So, I mean, Caleb Smith, who uh, transferred in from Virginia tech, that was a guy who obviously put up numbers in the ACC last year he had over average over 18 yards to catch. I mean, he has, he's not had a very good spring, right? He's not had a very good spring. He doesn't. I mean, I, I don't, I would say right now I it doesn't look very good for him to be a contributor for, for Notre Dame this year. I mean, obviously a lot of things can happen, but you know, that's someone that, you know, Notre Dame probably needed just for like the depth really, even if he wasn't a dude, he'd be like still a guy who could help. Right. Um, or like a guy like Deion Colsey. I mean, Notre Dame had that run where they had EQ, uh, Equinemius St. Brown. They had Miles Boykin. They had Chase Claypool three years in a row, right, where they had, or basically four years in a row. Yeah, and even before that,
0: they had Will Fuller. Like Notre Dame, the, the receiver position has been so interesting to me because we've obviously had some down years recently, but there was a stretch there, honestly, starting with Jeff Samarja, uh, where every single year, Notre Dame had an elite wide receiver one. They didn't always have that wide receiver two. They did some years, but not every year. And then obviously that fell flat uh, pretty recently, but hopefully they can get back, that back on track soon.
1: Yeah. And, and there was this article that Pete Thamel did. He did an interview with Brian Kelly when he was still at, at, at Notre Dame. And um, it was, it was one, it was one of those uh, gap closing articles, right? Like, can they get this? Can they t- take the jump? And obviously like, I mean, he didn't do anything to really close the gap. He put Notre Dame in a better position than, than he left, uh, than when he arrived, but he didn't do what he said. He, he said one of the big takeaways from the article, and I wonder if he regrets it now, but he said, we need Will Fuller and Michael Floyd on the same team. And Notre Dame has never had that. They've never had that. And I would say right now they don't have that. And that, so that's, I think is where the, where they're the furthest away, right? Like, they need like, they need Tobias Merriweather and Braylon James or, and whatever, you know, yeah. like they, that's what they need. Like those guys. And like, Oh my, cause then all of a sudden that, cause that's how, like, if you look at Notre Dame's defense, even last year, right. Look what they did against the top receivers they faced Those guys didn't do much against Notre Dame. And I wouldn't even say like, obviously Benjamin Morrison ended up being a great player, but it wasn't like Benjamin Morrison was like shadowing these guys the whole time or whatever. Tariq Bracey obviously covered a lot of really good slots, but, you know, as as a whole, they were able to shut down because you can you can scheme around to shut down one guy. But when you have two guys, then it becomes incredibly difficult. I mean, two or three guys. And then all of a sudden you got tons of problems. Right. And that's where kind of like Notre Dame Notre Dame had that guy last year, Michael Mayer. Right. Michael Mayer was that guy, but they never had the receiver to go with them. Right. And that was one of the things that even where 2019 was weirdly like you could kind of like Voltron. Notre Dame's uh, teams together and say like, man, if you had 2019 Chase Claypool and then you had 2019 Cole commit and you put them on that 2018 team, and then that's kind of like where they're at there. Then it's like, Oh, well that's like two other problems that like Clemson would have had to deal with in that college football playoff. They didn't have to in that, in that game. All
0: right. Last question here before we let you go. Um, all of this, all this talk it all goes back to recruiting. You need to be able to recruit the top-end guys year in and year out so you could stack depth, and if you do miss, you've got another guy, hopefully another top recruit who can come in and then hopefully fill that void. And since Marcus Freeman has come on board, he's really supercharged the Notre Dame recruiting operation, but – If you look at the rankings, there's still pretty clearly a gap between Notre Dame and some of the top teams. Now, the blue chip ratio, it's something you mentioned already. It's a good way to quantify um, how close Notre Dame is getting to the top. The blue chip ratio is the amount of four and five star prospects you sign over a four year span, if I I have that correct. So looking at it, uh, the blue chip ratio for Notre Dame, how close is their recruiting operation to getting to a national championship level so that they can actually stockpile the amount of talent that they need? I mean, a lot closer, a lot closer, right um, there. So the lowest
1: blue chip ratio, first of all, shout out to Bud Elliott who created it when he was at SB Nation. Now he's at 24 seven sports. He's the guy who created this. And it's basically like, you know, you, every recent year national championship is like 50% is like the cutoff, right. Where you have to win, win a national champ. So like half of your guys got to be four or five stars, but really college football playoff era. 61% is the lowest, and that's at that
0: 2016 Clemson team, right? That's the lowest. Yeah, they're like do. the exception of the rule in all of this. But, and again, and they, they are, had Deshaun yes. Watson and Mike Williams, yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. And, you know,
1: three future first-round picks on the defensive line. They were pretty loaded, right? Yeah. But uh, so Notre Dame right now is at 67.8%. So, I mean, that's better. During most of that Brian Kelly, like, five-year run, they were, like, high 50s, really, right? That's kind of where they're at. So you're like, well, they're, I mean, they're up, you know, basically like 10% from, from where they were, they're moving in the right direction where they've been the kind of the last couple of years is like around 80%, like high seventies, low eighties. That's where they've been the last couple of years. That's exactly where you want to be because that's where, that's where Georgia, Alabama, Ohio state, that's where those guys are. So, but the thing is, is you have to do that over four years, man. You have to do that over four years so now and then, the problem is, is that you look at most of the guys with the highest ceiling and the most raw talent on the team for Notre Dame right now are freshmen and sophomores, right? Those and those, it's not a coincidence. Those are the guys that they were like the highest ranked guys. That's they've they signed more in in these last two classes, right? These last two Marcus Freeman classes. So they need those guys to get older and be like, you know, juniors and seniors, you know, third and fourth year, fifth year guys. And that's where they kind of need it to be. Um, And then, and then also have these other young guys. So then when you get a Benjamin Morrison who ends up being like a star as a freshman, then that's just adding to what you already kind of have. Right. And so I would say they're way closer than they are, but the 67.8% Blue chip ratio, it's a little misleading because most of it is concentrated in yeah. the 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 last two classes. Yeah, those guys right?
0: aren't playing yet, or at least a
1: lot of them. Yeah. And so even this year, right, where you look at it. So I, I'm just pick a guy like Josh Burnham, for example, right? Josh Burnham, I think, has the chance. I really like what I saw from him in the open practice when I went on on, on April 1st. Uh, you know, he's making the transition from being a linebacker in high school, to play quarterback in high school. And now he's a defensive end. He's put on a lot of weight, showed a lot of like good progress. He might not be in the rotation this year. Like he he's going to be in t- He could be, and he might end up being a player, but the, it's a, there's a greater chance that he is going to be a bigger time player next year. So even if he plays this year, he might just be like, just the guy who helps or whatever. Right. So, you look at it, I, the way I look at it, this team for Notre Dame, and even though they have like this high percentage of, you know, blue chips, that's pretty good, right? And then I, you know, I think they'll probably get over 70%, you know, over the next year. But, uh you know, they're going to need all these guys from the 2022 class to really be like dudes in year three and take that jump in year three which is what happened in 2018 for Notre Dame. They had a ton of guys who were sophomores and second year players on that 2017 team who were good players. They were good contributors like Khalid Kareem, Julian Aquara, right? The, all those type of guys. And then they took a next step the next year. Right. And then all of a sudden it's like, Oh, well, I mean, Julian Acquara, is like now is one of the best pass rushers in college football. Right. Like, and that's kind of where they, they need to be. So uh, I think, they're getting closer. They're certainly improving. I mean, they still need to land more top fifty guys. They still need to land more five star kids. Obviously, not landing paid Bowen, the Keon Keeleys, like those are big, big significant losses, right? That ch- those are kind of game changers, right? Dante Moore, etc. Those are those are game changers. But what they're doing in building the roster, they're improving the roster, they're getting it closer to a championship level. But they aren't there yet. This team right now doesn't have, I don't believe, uh what it takes to actually be like a contender. They, have, you know, they could if enough of these young guys kind of take big jumps, they could get to like, you know, be have a
0: chance to be in the college football playoff, but not win it. Yeah, I agree with you. I think, you know, as as good as Marcus Freeman has been on the recruiting trail, it took Georgia years at recruiting at the highest level uh, before they got to where they're at. But Jamie, this has been great, man. Uh, you can listen to him on his podcast, Hit and Hustle, with another friend of the program, Greg Flumeng. Uh And you can check out his written work on irishsportsdaily.com. There's plenty of great stuff there. I mean, we went 30 plus minutes on like two articles. So uh, go check out his work. And Jamie, I really appreciate your time and insight. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. That's going to do it for me today. Thanks again to Jamie, and thank you for making this your first listen of the day. For all the everydayers out there, remember to tune in to tomorrow's episode for the latest updates out of Notre Dame Spring Practice. And on the way out, remember to subscribe to the show on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts, and give us a follow on Twitter at LockdownIrish, on Instagram at LockdownIrishPod, and my personal Twitter account at Tyler Wojcik. That's at Tyler, W-O-J-C-I-A-K. I'll see you guys tomorrow.